Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports. We have a great episode coming at you in a few, but first we have to tell you about all of the places you can find us. BleacherBrawls.com is the home for our Yankees and Red Sox columns, football, basketball, soccer content, as well as movie reviews, quizzes, and plenty of trash talk. Our YouTube channel has a few videos a week with picks, predictions, our prospect pipeline series, and more. Our main social media hub is Twitter, at Bleacher Brawl, where you can give us any feedback, ask us any questions, follow us to be the first to hear about our latest content. This podcast is available on your listening app of choice, and when you finish listening to today's super exciting episode, you'll want to drop us a five-star review. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls. We're on the midweek show. You're listening to your three favorite fellas. I'm Barnes. I'm joined by Joey and Kasim, your two favorite speakers on this podcast. You know, forget those other Monday guys. This is the A-team, often referred to, you know, by us, by John, by Luke. They all admit that the midweek show is the best. Even Luke admitted it. He he did say it. We can pull up a sound (laughs) clip of him saying that. Yeah, Luke Can was filling in. the sound clip because I, I I'll play the sound clip. I gotta just fi- find it. And uh, hey, Luke, just so you know, so sick of those other schlubs. It's about time I got some reps on the A team. <laughs> We're the A team. You said it yourself. <laughs> uh, Joey's back from um, midterms. You know, Joey, how you doing, buddy? Oh man, I feel good. I uh, finished my midterm strong. Went to Palm Beach for a little detour. Got a bit of a suntan going on. Feeling feeling calm, cool, and collected for upcoming Red Sox baseball, man. That sounds great. I, I was in a freaking snowstorm, and I wish I was in Palm Beach. So I hope you, I hope you got some sunlight for us. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got enough, but, uh, you know... I, Sometimes I'm a little insatiable. I just want more, 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 but I can't handle it. You know, it's too, too much. You guys can't see it, but Joey did get a little bit of a tan. <laughs> he got a little, he got a tiny tan while he was there for 24 hours. Cassim, <laughs> what's going on with you, buddy? Uh, not much, man. Uh, man, what, what's here up in Detroit? Nothing. Power's going out. Wires going up in flames. The DTE's freaking on the frenzy. Jeez. Thank God I didn't lose power against. I uh, we didn't. I didn't lose power. A lot of people lost power for the second time. So Oof. we're doing good. We had visitors visiting the baby, and uh, it was a great. It was a great uh, hangout. Uh, today I started my first day of fasting, so I'm trying to get used to it. Hey, you know I'm what? Well, for everyone who's going to be fasting soon, if you need fasting tips, reach out to Casim on Twitter. Yeah. He'll give you all kinds of fasting tips. He's actually just telling me a little bit about it before we got on. He's like, you know what? The secret's just drinking a lot of water. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did Ramadan start? No, it starts in two weeks, but I started two weeks early. It's not good to start exactly the same day, bro. You start snapping the caffeine, the nicotine starts running through your nerves. <laughs> Cass, this is uh, Cassim's Ramadan spring training. You got it. <laughs> Warming up. <laughs> I remember in high school. I had a tennis match against a guy and I, and I lost. And one of my, one of my, uh, one of his teammates came up to me and said, you know, Joey, 
he's on Ramadan. He hasn't eaten all day and he still beats you. And I was like, thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> some people, some people, to be honest, like we all look at athletes. Hakim Olajuwon, Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf, Nazir Muhammad, a lot of the guys in the NBA, they they be fasting and they show like sometimes they play better. I remember Olajuwon went on a sprint for one week, averaging 40 points and 15 rebounds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not supposed to eat meat for Lent, but, uh, yeah. you know, you know, happens. you just ate a pound of bacon before hopping on. So no big deal. <laughs> I ate something. Yeah. Something <laughs> like no, a whole, I, I had ice cream. <laughs> like a veal. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> he had a whole veal, but anyway, uh, real quick is I want to talk to Justin Turner. He got freaking hit in the head and it, it was, it's, you never want to see, obviously you never want to see anyone get hit in the head ever, yeah. ever. You know, these guys are throwing a ball the size of your fist at like, let's even low ball it. Like as a slow pitch at 80 miles an hour, let's say it's go, but it's say it's a fastball going 90 miles an hour. Like, Holy cow. Justin Turner looked like crap. Thank God he's healthy and he's okay. He's going to, you know, obviously there's no like structural damage that I know of, but, um, Kind of joking today, I saw in, in the group chat, Luke was saying, like, do you think people will wind up wearing, like, that cricket mask where they have, like, the metal bars, almost like a football helmet or, like, college softball players? <laughs> do you think they'll ever – do you think a player would ever consider wearing that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I know Stan, when he got hit in the mouth, he wore a protective thing to protect his mouth. Yeah, I think Glaber still wears that, too, sometimes. Probably. I think so. It's 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 like holy cow. like for me even just uh so I work at a school they the the guys have been like the baseball team that just started throwing around like on the fields you know kind of like their spring training too and I was like wow this high schooler can throw it like I know he's a high schooler he's not throwing it a, a million miles an hour but I was like if that thing hit me in the head I'd probably fall on the ground I'd be like oh, dude this hurts this sucks so I can only I can literally only imagine getting hit with a fastball from a major league arm just pummeling your face um so we're all happy that Justin Turner is you know alive and doing well holy cow but next thing I want to talk about real quick is Justin Turner's former team, the L.A. Dodgers, Gavin Lux tears his ACL, and they're like, oh, man, like there was a rumor at some point, like, or no, I, I shouldn't even say like a rumor, but the idea of, hey, Yankees got a lot of infielders, you could use one of ours. And it seems like they've solved their problem internally because Mookie Betts has been playing second base in spring training games, and he looks awesome. So I wanted to get a Red Sox opinion on, hey, like, the Red Sox are like, oh, we got to transfer Kike into the infield when you had an infielder all along in Mookie Betts. Like, Joey, we, what's going on here? Oh, just the uh, the great minds at the Red Sox organization making great moves. I mean, as a Red Sox fan, when, when we didn't make Mookie that offer, I, I wasn't the most upset because I figured if you don't sign Mookie, then you keep – Devers and Bogarts. I feel like that was always the deal. You keep Devers and Bogarts. But because our administration obviously doesn't know what they're doing, they lost Bogarts too. And, you know, it was a raw deal. We could have been paying 
Mookie these last few years, you know, just, it, it, it's really sad. It was, it was this like Faustian proposition by Heim Bloom that we will, 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 for now, we'll sacrifice the now for the future, but you know, it's four years later, there is no future or the future is very, very glib. So very frustrating, bad move. I don't know how anyone can defend that now, knowing that we lost Bogarts, knowing that we weren't able to pay our other homegrown stars. I don't know how anyone defends that move. Uh, for me, it was always get rid of Mookie, keep Devers Bogarts. You have to have, you can either have one or the other. Of course, we we failed, and uh, yeah, it's really sad him playing second base, but that is his natural position. He kind of looks to me like. He's like a second baseman's build, too. He's like a small guy, skinny. Like, he feels like a second baseman. So, I'm sure he'll play it well. I I don't know. Uh, I mean, center field money's – I mean, what's more val- – I mean, center field's a little more valuable than second base defensively, so they'll probably want him – or right field, I excuse me. Right field uh, is pretty valuable defensively, so they might want him back there. But, yeah, he's doing it. He has, You don't need a big arm either to do second base, so he's having a great time. Yeah, it's just so interesting to me that a guy like Mookie Betts, you know, obviously it's, he's playing in a spring training game, relatively meaningless, but you kind of can see what he can do. You know, he he made a gold glove play the other day in spring training, diving to his left, you know, quick turn, throwing it to second base to get the the force out. I was like, holy cow, like, you know, Joey, like you said, looking back, like we didn't keep Bogarts or the Red Sox didn't keep Bogarts. And they, I said, we, uh, like, what the hell? We, Bleacher we, Balls. I know, we, we, I'm speaking the proverbial we. The Red Sox mm-hmm. didn't keep Bogarts. They m- totally missed on Jeter Downs, Connor Wong, and like Verdugo is pretty average, you know. But it's, you know, like, uh, you know, and I'm going to be the voice of Luke right now. Well, if it wasn't for Dombrowski making all these moves and tearing us down from within, you know, he, he was killing the franchise. He was killing the franchise. Like, you know, like, Luke, get off your high horse. Like, you could have solved this infield problem. Like, oh, well, now we got to move Kike. And and Christian Arroyo is going to have to start at second base. And maybe maybe Alberto Mondesi, like, is healthy and can be something. No, you had us literally an internal solution in Mookie Betts. I don't know, Kasim, do you – like, do you have any opinions on this? Like, you know, I, I'm sure you saw the play. Betts making that awesome play at second. And it's like, yeah, I'm happy Betts is out of the AL East. But, yeah, you but, could say that. But from like a from a logistic, like as a baseball fan, you're like, wow, like uh, someone with super talent, you know, not resigning him. And then also hindsight is 2020. And the Red Sox have totally missed out on this swap. Like, what's your opinion on it? I mean, like I said, I'm. I'm not a Red Sox fan, but I admired Mookie Betts in his game, his defense especially. You know, I remember there was like an argument between Yankee fans. I'm like in a chat and they're saying, who's better, Mookie or Judge in right field or defensively? I'm like, Mookie? They're like, how can you say that? You're a Yankee fan. I go, man, what are you talking about, man? Stats don't lie. Uh, On the field, the eye test. Mookie, uh, he's a gifted player, man. Uh, That's good that they can move him around. He can play all three outfield positions, second base. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think they're going to play him at second the whole time. Maybe they'll use him a game, maybe, but you know, um, for the Dodgers losing Gavin Lux, I mean, that hurts, but 
they're saying that nothing is off the table. Actually, they're saying that Connor Falafa could actually be on the block and the Dodgers might actually look at him. I know they got Miguel Rojas, but as of now, Connor Falafa, who knows? He could be he could become expandable, which would help Volpe's chances in Peraza. But you know, for the Red Sox side, uh uh Mookie hurt. It, it hurt bad. Um, you don't let a talent like that go. Just like you know, Bogarts. I was a fan of them. I was a fan. I'm a fan of Devers, Nathan Avaldi, JD, but they never got nothing for them. If you look at the Mookie trade, really, besides Verdugo, I mean, he's he, he's okay. He's up and coming a little bit, but um, they lost out on that trade big time. Yeah, and Mookie, you know, a generational player. Connor Wong, there's a million Connor Wongs. He's a backup catcher. He's nothing interesting. Uh, Verdugo, I mean, I, and I like Verdugo too. I mean, I think mm-hmm. he could project out to be a 300 hitter, but you know, not on the Mookie level, and especially when our team hasn't competed. Part of part of the argument of not signing Mookie was, oh, look, you're going to be paying this huge contract for 10 years, and we're not going to even be competitive during that time. Well, it's been four years. And we're still we still haven't been really that competitive except 2021, which was an accident, and Heimboom knows that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we didn't even we didn't even get what we we're promised. Our farm is still mid-tier. We don't have an excellent farm or anything. And I I know Lucas loves to attack Dombrowski. And then like I, I has made me a Dombrowski cheerleader, which I never was. Um <laughs> what, did, what did Dombrowski inherit? It don't matter. He, inher- he inherited you a World Series ring. That's what counts. Yeah. But what did Dombrowski inherit? He didn't inherit a good team. No, he didn't, but he, that's his job. He inherited the last place that. team. But Heimbloom didn't inherit a last place team. He inherited a 500 team that just missed the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, look at that. I mean, Ben Sherrington, Theo Epstein, GMs don't come in when times are good. They don't come in when times are good. You don't you don't fire your GM and bring in a new one when your team is winning, right? Yeah. So I'm tired of this excuse like it only applies to Luke's, you know, uh, amigo especial, Heim Bloom, that <laughs> like that that he's he's had been put in the worst position out of all of these guys. In fact, you know, he came in after a season where the Red Sox were above 500 or around 500. So most other GMs come in and losing seasons. So I'm tired of the excuses. You have to win this year. I'm sorry. If you, if you don't win this year and there's not something serious coming, he's got to go. I mean, you have to come, you know, you have to have a new pilot on this airplane. It's like a, it's like a really bad movie. There's snakes on this plane, Barnes, and you're one of them. Damn right I am. I've had it with these snakes on this plane. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a tough deal for you know hearing and seeing the, the Bleacher Brawls headquarters. Uh, Dombrowski hate and Dombrowski love Bloom hate Bloom love the uh, so it's all just interesting and you know like Joey just said is you got to see something from the Red Sox this year. I, I as a fan, you're like, hey, we we're not getting what we were promised. You know, they're the Red Sox have been really just bleh like the last four years. They've just been bleh. That they had that one accident like that fell their way, 21. And now 
2023 is here. They're coming off 2022, they finished in last in the AL East. 2023 is coming up. Their win total, their projected win total is like high 70s, like 77.5, I think is the over under the betting odds. And Luke thinks that they're going to win 87. 87. Kasim's like, they're going to win like 70, maybe. <laughs> like, yeah. Joey, where do you think that the Red Sox are going to fall this year in, in win totals? So, so se- for 77, I'd buy, I'd buy the over. I'd definitely buy the over. But, you know, even Luke, like 87, 87 is probably not a playoff team, right? What, what, what would you, what'd you need last year? 88? Uh, so let me check like, that while you're making your point. Let me check that. But it, it, it's, I'm done with this mediocrity. I, I feel as a fan, I have suffered for through enough mediocrity to to win, right? I mean, you guys told me there's going to be a period of waiting, and I was patient. But, you know, our Red Sox Nation's patience have its limits. You know, we all have our limit of patience, and we've arrived there. It's So to, to, to tell me this is another bridge year, I feel like we've had three, four bridge years, and our system isn't that great. You know, Bloom's the big prospect system guy. Well, okay, it seems to me that whenever he finds undiscovered talent, he and, and if they end up working out well like Hunter Renfro, he absolutely butchers them and makes a disaster of a deal. Uh, or, you know, we don't get the right guys. It's, 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 it's really sad. I mean, 15th ranked, I mean, we're just about in all of these and all of these prospect rankings pools, you know, the other teams that have been losing, they've all, they all have great prospects. The Yankees have great prospects and they win, right? You know, this Volpe, this Volpe fellow, by the way, John Volpe was the former governor of Massachusetts at one point. So maybe they're related, who knows? But this Volpe fellow is a top, you know, 5'10 prospect in baseball. The Yankees are still winning. So you can have both, but we have neither. So I, I would like to call Heim Bloom. Heim Bloom is... High Bloom is not a he's not a jack of all trades. He's he's jack at all trades. <laughs> uh and just to fill you back in is uh the Rays got in with 86 wins last year. They made the wild card spot with 86 wins. So in in theory, if you use last year's win total, 87 could get them into that last wild card spot. Um it it yeah, it's just so weird now. Look, kind of like what Joey was just saying that the Yankees have this Volpe fellow, uh, Kasim. It it does seem like the Yankees have been able to compete. Some mm-hmm. would say that 2022 was their happy accident. Like we, you and I both agree that 2022 going into that season, they were a third place team, pretty mediocre. Things started falling their way, and hey, it, happy accident, right? Bob Ross. Um, they got they got some prospects. They got Volpe. They got Dominguez. They got a couple other guys coming up through the ranks. And mm-hmm. you know, it's hey to Joey's point: Are the Yankees onto something? Like, are the are they not? Or you know, as a Yankee fan, you're like, oh wow, we're getting like 90 wins. We're getting into the playoffs, and we got some guys coming up. How you feeling about that? Well, I mean, that's the goal. Like we always said, Barnes, we're not in the rebuild business. We reboot. Like they did in 2016 when they traded Chapman and a lot of the guys to get Glaber Torres and the, I mean, you know, 
Everybody wants to talk about our prospects with Dominguez and Volpe and Peraza as well as Cabrera. I mean, finally, we hit on some prospects. I mean, we, we went through a dead stretch where everybody was just non-usable and they became a bust, like Clint Frazier, Miguel Andujar, Estevan Floreal. I mean, the list goes on and on. And we traded away prospects, you know. So as long as the Yankees are in the Yankee business way, we're, we're going to always try to contend. So, you know, they showed it this year in the offseason, including with our prospects. Uh, we went out, we got Rondon, we signed Judge, uh, got Tommy Canley. So I'm happy what they're doing. I'm glad there's no reboot. In New York, there's no such thing as rebuild. They don't believe in it. Actually, they'd be pissed. <laughs> so you got to show them that you're going in, you know. Uh, I'm hoping the Yankees head on their prospects. They have to because it's kind of an older team. So we'll see how they move forward. The, the one drawback being is the Yankees obviously can't win the big one. So yeah. that's that, not that's yet been killing us. That's been killing us. We've been not getting yet. close. So real quick. All right. Real quick, real fast is who's going to win the big one next out of these two teams. The Yankees. Joey the Red Sox. <laughs> oh, come on. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Listen, I, I think the Yankees could, will have more 91 seasons, but by the time any of us are winning, I think the Red Sox will hit their once in five years quota, or once in 10 years quota, and, and the Yankees will still be uh, lapsed in, uh, in mediocrity. All right. Now, now here's another thing. I'm, I'm getting – this has been kind of bothering me for like a couple weeks now, especially within the Bleacher Brawls uh, group chat, is about fandom. Like, how much does the past weigh into, like, the, the, the trash talking? You know, more often than not, I find, you know, oh, well, you know, we won one in whatever year. When was the last time the Sox won? 2018 or 19 or something like that? I don't even remember. Yeah, 2019. 2019. Sorry. I, I always get – it's one of those two years. 2018. It's 2018. <laughs> 2018. 2018 or 19. Who cares? It's, it's irrelevant. It's 2018, Cass. <laughs> I was uh, it was oh that was Aaron Boone's first year. Whoops. Who cares? It's in the past. Like no one cares because yeah. guess what? Well, all it's you like, it's no, no 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 no. Listen, because all you Red Sox guys would just go, oh, all those other rings happened in the past. It doesn't matter. It doesn't count. Like even in 2010, Red Sox fans were going, ah, it was last year. You won 2009. You won last year. So how like for me, where I stand is you look at the previous season. That's where you can base your trash talk, like especially oh, because if you're bringing up stuff from the past, it's like, all right, cool. Yankees are just pooping all over the Red Sox. Like we have way more championships, especially if you're allowing all of the things in the past. So how much for you when you're trash talking other people, whether you're trash talking the Yankees fan, whether you're trash talking the Red Sox fan, you're trash talking freaking Rays fans because they they're irrelevant and they stink anyway. They're harmless, really. But. Like, how much does the past weigh into your argument, or do you just look at the previous season or like what's happening right now? Well, I mean, I think there's a difference between 1927 and 2018. I mean, was I at both World Series that year? Yes, but mo <laughs> most people were. Uh, I think I think if you argue stuff within your lifetime, that's a pretty fair game within the a mutual lifetime. I think I think twenty first century should be about the pale. Um, I I think it's important. It's important because you know 
the rivalry is about history. And what is it steeped in? It's steeped in history. It's steeped in the fact that Babe Ruth was sold to the Yankees. That's what it's about. It's definitely about the history. You know, my father still talks about how, you know, uh, the the Yankees broke Bill Lee's arm. You know, that's like something very present to his mind because he saw that when he was a kid. They broke one of the Red Sox starting pitchers' arms. Uh, other people talk about watching A-Rod and Veritech fight. This is this is what makes the rivalry so important, so much different than a lot of other faux rivalries you have today because these teams are not just rivals because they're in the same division. They're not just rivals because they're both good. They're rivals because they have this mutual history together, which goes back a hundred years. You know, mm. they're you know the the Tampa Bay Rays and the Blue Jays can be rivals, right? But they can never be rivals. They can never be competitive. They can never have the same energy as a Red Sox Yankee matchup. And there's no that's why there's nothing in sports like it. So the history does definitely matter. I think, obviously, you know, holding 2004 over Yankees fans' heads at this point, uh, while fun, you know, it's not really, like, substantive. I mean, it's not relevant. No one is around from then. No one that played then is still around now. But, you know, I'm sure Yankees, fan, Yankees fans love to do the 27 ring thing. They love it. And I'm sure they'll continue to love it. And that's part of it. Part of it is that it's nonsense. I mean, part of it is that... You know, you're always going to root for your side. There's no winning the argument. So, of course, the history matters, I think, Barnes, especially if it's less than five years ago. Yeah, for me, I just, uh, for me, I just, I know we got 27 championships, but see, I wasn't part of the 27. I saw five of them, but I've been watching the Yankees since 1990, so I've seen the rivalry grow between the Yankees and the Red Sox. I saw 98. I saw 90, uh, 99. I saw the I've seen the heated rivals between from regular season, from players coming to New York, A-Rod and all that. So I've I seen the rivalries between the two teams. Yes, I watched five of them. So I could talk about the rivalry. Yeah, it was, it's a, the greatest rivalry in sports. And I'm a big basketball. I was a big basketball guy in the 90s, the football. But the Yankees and Red Sox was the best rivalry ever in sports, and all sports. I mean, they hated each other. It's not like now. You know, oh, Yankees and Red Sox, everybody's patting themselves. Hey, what's going on? No, back then they hated each other. I mean, Pedro Martinez was pointing at Jorge Posada's head, telling him, I'm going to get you. <laughs> Posada was like, bring it on. So I remember all of that. They hated each other. They respected each other, but they hated each other. But like I said, I, I, I hate the Red Sox, but there was players on the Red Sox I liked. Manny, David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, Dustin Pedroia. You know, even when Johnny Damon was there, I liked Chris Sale. I liked Nathan Avaldi. You know, I I liked some guys. I actually rooted for the, you know, to be honest with you, Barnes, I actually rooted for the Red Sox to beat Cleveland in the playoff series, and Pedro beat them because I got tired of Cleveland winning because Cleveland was the powerhouse. So I was actually happy Pedro beat them. When Troy O'Leary hit the freaking grand slam, I was loving it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think Joey brings up a good point. It's maybe like mutual lifetime of the two fans speaking, you know. So, but Cassim, I'm with you. I saw ninety. I saw those '90s wins for the Yankees, yeah. and um, even in my fandom lifetime, the Yankees are still up by one World Series. 
you know, and I know like when I'm talking with Joey, he's only seen one, two, three. He's seen, you've seen four for the Red Sox, right? 2004. You saw that one. Yeah. I saw that one. Yeah. And you know, and I guess if you're looking at, at that, like you've probably seen what, maybe two Yankees world series, not even. No, I've seen one. I mean, I didn't really, I didn't see Oh four. I was like a year old. Yeah. I was there spiritually. So you don't even get that one. So you've seen three. You don't actually. You know what? You don't even get 2007 because you were a fan. Yeah, I do. You don't get 2007 if you were. I remember what? it. I remember being upset when Manny was traded. I remember that whole thing. So all right. So it if we're looking at just Joey's lifetime, the Red Sox are winning the rivalry. But if you expand it out further to me and Cassim, the Yankees are winning. And well, this you, is why the world revolves around Joey. And this, <laughs> well, and even if we go back to our oldest member here at Bleacher Brawls, Pat, who's 94. The Yankees are still dominating the freaking rivalry. So I don't want to hear it anymore. Luke, you old man. John, you old man. You guys have seen it together. You guys are the same age. The Yankees are winning the rivalry. So I'm tired of these Red Sox fans coming at me. Shut the hell up. Zip the lip and cut the crap. Oh, for hurt. Oh, for hurt. Big time. Stop that. It, it did hurt. hurt, but we're moving on. Or a Tony Clark single away from a freaking Ruben Sierra round in the bases. <laughs> All right, but moving on, and a lot of championships start with the rotations. You know, we've kind of talked a little bit about Yankees rotation, uh, Red Sox rotation on previous shows of the podcast. You know, uh, those Monday morning guys. Uh, Derek said it very recently that the he's not expecting any of the Red Sox guys to really have a, a ton of starts, but maybe there's six or seven guys that are able to make maybe 18 starts. And that's kind of how they'll accumulate their starting pitchers because, you know, especially with Paxton, who gets that, what what's he got, like a hamstring injury? Um, but it's like, Joey, can I get your thoughts on Red Sox rotation? Like there's Chris Sale and then there's who? And then the other guys fall into place, kind of. Yeah, I mean, right now, I guess the number two man to me is Kluber. Ugh. Oh, God. I, I mean, that's maybe based on uh, pedigree. More than leadership. Yeah, he's solid enough that I know. I mean, I know he's going to pitch okay. He's going to be pitch good. He's experienced. He has Cy Young's. I guess that's – I guess reputation makes him the number two. I thought Bayo could have been the number two this year, uh, considering how he ended last year, but he's hurt. Uh, you know, Pavetta's obviously the ace in Luke's mind, but uh, he certainly is not number two material. You know, you think you have a, a of an embarrassment of – I mean, something's going on with the Red Sox training staff. I know you've talked about this before, Barnes, about the Yankees. The fact the Red Sox have had like three or four hamstring injuries – Means you know someone's not doing their job correctly, right? Yeah, I mean you're absolutely right. I I think that whenever there's injuries, especially like soft tissue injuries, the the training staff it comes down to them. Are the players warming up properly? Do they have a good enough routine? What's their off season like program actually going to be like? You know, and hey, are, are what are the, we doing as coaching as the coaching staff? Like, hey. I know you're going out there. I know you want to get after it. Don't overexert yourself because you want to avoid these hamstring injuries in a freaking spring training game. 
you know, next, next thing you know, James Paxton is like, ah, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm out for the year again. I'm I'm going to go back to Canada and just sit on my butt and collect my paycheck. Another genius Bloom signing, by the way, giving someone $10 million in a season they didn't play. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry, says Joey. So, uh, and and Joey, let me just get your quick opinion on this before we switch to the Yankee side is I know that there's always like a continuous revolving door for like that fifth spot, like between like Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck. Like, who do you think is going to be, if you had to list those five guys that, that the Red Sox rotation, it'll probably be Sale, it'll be Pavetta, it'll be Bayo, and it's like, who are the next two guys? Uh, maybe Kluber, I guess. You don't get him to be a relief pitcher, really. You know, he's going to be a starter. So it's like, who's going to be that fifth spot? Is it going to be Whitlock? Is it going to be Hauk? Is it going to be someone that I don't really know and I'm forgetting? Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the big questions is going into this. We thought we had about like seven or eight starting pitchers. And now with all the injuries, uh, and again, we don't even know the length of these. Are these going to be just through spring training? Are they going to be resolved by then? I, w- I would say uh, everyone healthy to me, the rotation is Sale, Kluber, Bayo, Whitlock. And the number five... I, Number five, I guess, would be Hauk to me, probably. Hauk. Pavetta would be more in a relief role, I think, before Hauk, but I'm pretty high on Hauk. Uh, it seems to me that we're not going to have that luxury, though, now. So. Yeah, it seems like they're they're kind of pinned in with injuries, and they're kind of getting it late into spring or right in the middle of spring training, where on the Yankee side, now, Cass, I'll let you speak on it a little bit, is – Yankees are kind of, I think the Yankees roster as a whole is kind of like, all right, cool. We're set. We're ready. As you've been saying, we're ready to run it back. Like they made a few additions here and there. You know, Cole, Rodon, they've got Nestor. Obviously he's kind of coming back from injury. So we'll kind of see where he fits in the rotation. Like, like daily, like one, two, three, four or five, you know, Severino's there. And there's been this ongoing battle for that fifth spot between Clark Schmidt, Domingo Herman. What have you seen lately in spring Yankee spring training? Has either one of those two guys really kind of come out ahead of the other? You know, Clark Schmidt, like a week ago, looked really good. You know, what have you seen from Domingo Herman? No, Domingo Herman's looked good. Uh, I always said it, and I, I'll say it again, and Domingo should be our fifth starter. I'm not going with anybody else. Yes, Clark Schmidt is looking all right. Yeah, no problem, but. I don't think it's a starting pitcher. Why would I start him if I know he's going to only go three, four innings? I don't think he can even go five. That's the honest truth. I know they're they're stretching him out, but to me, he's perfect in the middle relief role. Or you could use him as a long relief since we're uh, since we lost Montas for the first half of the season. So, you know, my rotation is going to be Garrett Cole, number one, righty, then lefty, Carlos uh, Rodon. Number two, I'm going with Seve at number three. I'm going Nestor at four, and I'm going Domingo Herman. And like I said, um, you know, vying for bullpen, whoever could be your long relief, Clark Schmidt. Maybe you carry a guy like a Debbie Garcia just in case, just for the first uh, couple of months until Montas is healthy. I mean, that's the way I'm looking at it. Uh, but Domingo Herman is my, my, my favorite to win the job as a number five starter. I believe in him more than... Anybody else who they have, to be honest with you, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, Domingo Herman through two games in spring training has five and a third innings pitched, 
He's got seven strikeouts. You know, <laughs> obviously it's a very small body of work. It's spring training, obviously that level of competition as a whole. But a couple of years ago, we saw what he could do at the top end. We know he can be good. Yeah. We know he we know he has the stuff to be a, a really, you know, a really, really good third in the rotation type of arm. So I think we're all just looking forward to it. And you just alluded to it now. It's like, hey, like Clark Schmidt, you're probably going to go back to that long relief, long relief role. Joey was kind of saying that, hey, between Garrett Whitlock, how like these guys are going to kind of be vying for that fifth spot and then also rotate in bullpen spots. And on the Monday morning episode, when I uh, I joined those guys, I helped them out, stepped in for old man uh, Pat and I jumped in the host. But we they did a star power. They needed star power. They, they did need some star power from the A team, as Luke <laughs> says. it. Uh, we did, we played a little like build your bullpen. So I'm. Uh, we're going to assume that you're, and I'm going to have you guys do the same is there's uh, you're going to assume the starting pitcher goes five innings. So you got to list one name for the sixth, one name for the seventh, one for the eighth and one for the ninth. Obviously we know that teams carry more than just four relief pitchers. No duh. But I want to give you like, Hey, your ideal situation, you're, you're Aaron Boone, you're Alex Cora. And you're like, all right, cool. It's the sixth inning. This is the guy I'm going to send out there. Uh, just to give you a quick idea of what what some of the names were for the Red Sox, the um, Luke and Derek were pretty much locked in on seven, eight, and nine. They they just had a difference in the sixth inning. Um, Luke said Corey Kluber coming out of the bullpen for the sixth inning. Derek said Tanner Houck coming out in the sixth inning. So Joey, who like let's start building your bullpen. Let's see if you match up seven, eight, and nine with those two guys. But so who's coming out in the sixth for you? Uber coming out this in the sixth. He had that. He has that. You can you can hear it on the Monday episode. What a what a Luke take. <laughs> Very Luke. Uh, for me, I would probably have Pavetta coming out in the sixth. Then seven would be Chris Martin, eight Schreiber, nine Kenley. What if Pavetta has to be a starting pitcher because of these injuries? Uh, so if Pavetta's starting pitcher, uh, I mean, I like that. Uh, I like that Cutter Crawford kid. I mean, I I think for one inning he can hold it down if he really needs to. Uh, other than that, I don't really trust anyone else. Uh, you know, Joe Lee's. I don't know who that is. Blyer means nothing to me. Brazier. I don't want anyone near the baseball. Pretty much. So whoever would slot into the sixth inning for me would be whatever started the pitcher is, is still up on the rotation that I trust and know. And I would like to say that you also did match Luke and Derek with seven, eight, nine, Martin Schreiber, Jansen. So I just think alike. Uh, uh, three dumb guys think alike. Uh, anyway, moving on to the Yankee side, the star power side. Um, Kasim, if you had to go six, seven, eight, nine, who do you who are you rolling out of the Yankees bullpen in that order? Uh, okay, the closer. I'm gonna have to say Clay Holmes, even because I think he's gonna win the job. I mean, he got the job already. I, I wanted Loizaga, but I don't think it's gonna happen. So I'm going Holmes in the ninth, Loizaga in the eighth, Tommy Canley in the seventh, and Michael King for the sixth. That's actually really interesting that you're gonna go uh Canely. I I Canely when I did this with John, his name did not come up at all, actually. Um the reason why they signed him. 
I'm sure he, there's a reason why they signed him for sure. Definitely. It's just interesting that, um, and you know, it, between you, me and John, we all kind of had something a little different. John and I both had Ron Marinaccio in the sixth. He we, came to mind. He, I, so great. He got the honorable mention for you. Um, John said Michael King for the seventh and I said Luizaga for the seventh. So we, we all, I think, uh, you know, you and I both had Luizaga, um, uh, then for the eighth, John said Wandy Peralta, and I had Michael King coming out in the eighth. Okay, you know, and you had Luizaga there, so there's some matchup here between King Luizaga, um, and then oh, for close, yeah. oh, go, go right ahead. Cash. No, I was gonna say Peralta is one of the most important arms. It's just it's gonna be based on matchup, Barnes. You know it. Yeah, Peralta, Peralta would be my like actually to be honest with you, he'd be my second guy coming out of the boat, but it's not gonna happen because it's based on matchups. That's yeah, why. and I think. You, you you hit the nail on the head. I think it definitely is based on matchups, but I think Wandy Peralta is also showed us in the postseason of 22. Mm-hmm. And I just, to be honest with you, I trust him the most. I want to give him the closer role. I know he's the only lefty we got, but I want I to, I want to, my heart wants to, Yeah, you know, and I actually didn't have Holmes at all. I'm not a big Holmes believer. I think he was pitching lights out like above his weight class. But who knows? I think he has the job right now. It's his to lose. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. We'll we'll definitely see. Have to see how it goes. So yeah, I gotta give credit. I mean, he was. Yeah. See, I'm just I'm just trying to I'm 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 not saying like I'm trying to be realistic. Like I love to see Loisa on that nine foot, but it's not gonna happen as a closer. So I'm just being realistic. So it's gonna be Holmes and then Loisa. Now the reason why I said Canley because you know they signed him and Canley was good as a Yankee. And the reason why I said Michael King, because Michael King was lights up for his injury. Marinaccio wasn't mentioned. Yes, I thought of him right away. And But am I going to take Marinaccio or I'm going to take King or Canley? No, I'm going to take King and Canley. That's what I'm going to take. Yeah, I, I don't think that I, – I don't think that there's a wrong answer for the Yankees. I think that yeah. they have – I think the – you know, and it's been this way for the last however many years. That the Almost like the strength of the team is the bullpen. It's just – the question has always been: Can the Yankees get to the bullpen? Can exactly. they keep? Can they keep the runs down? Can they have the lead by the time they get to the bullpen? You know, so I I think it'll be interesting. I like how I for some reason I really like the idea of all the Red Sox guys not being able to figure out the sixth inning. They all had something different, but they had seven, eight, nine ready to go. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, that also shows that maybe there's not a whole lot of depth or not a whole lot of faith. You know, like Joey just said, he doesn't want Ryan Brazier near the ball at all. Ryan Brazier should probably only be throwing BP. <laughs> they, have a, they have a rumor about the rest of us that they are, Joey, I don't know if you heard it, but they are considering a six to seven man rotation, just to let you know. Yeah, I, I hate that. If, that's, if yeah. that's an idea, I hate that. I don't know what you think, Tassel. No, no, I'm just saying, uh, all I'm saying is they're thinking of a six man rotation because so what would you full do of injuries. Yankee said six man rotation. What, what would I, you if Montas was healthy, yeah, I don't mind a six man rotation. I have no problem with it. So here it is, Joey. Let me before you go. Is the Astros have been doing that, and we know what the Astros have been doing recently. So are they onto something? Like, are we missing something as like these old school baseball fans of ah, we got five guys. This is what we're gonna roll with. Well, if I'm missing something, I'm certainly not gonna be the one to admit it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
if I had it my way, we'd have a four-man rotation, and then we wouldn't have to worry about this fifth spot. I don't know, Kazim, maybe that's what the Yankees should do, go to a four-man rotation. I think that would mm-hmm. shake baseball. I don't mind but, the extra rest. I don't mind the extra rest. Well, especially at, I think, the beginning of the season where there's more off days. Mm-hmm. Six-man rotation, I think it's totally unnecessary. I'd rather have the help in the bullpen than uh, – I mean, when the guys don't even go as long anymore, you, you, you need that extra arm in the bullpen more than you need the extra day of rest. So real quick is with this pitch clock, obviously kind of speeding, I- speeding up the game is – are we going to see – more six-man rotations now or are we going to see just teams carrying more bullpen guys and we're going to see you know hey the starting pitcher will go five innings and because of the pitch lock we got to kind of regulate that and we're going to get more bullpen guys involved do you think that's that's my question the rumor what's the roster 26 yeah i believe it's 26 and i heard that you have to have 13 pitchers and 13 position players that's what i heard you can't you can't um carry more pitchers and you can't carry more bench players that's what i heard i heard it has to be even so that's what i heard yeah to my to my understanding that's the way it's gonna roll so it's like hey like is there a benefit to having that six-man rotation and then seven relief pitchers to make your 13 or is it better to have five and eight pitch clock the pitch clock to me like i said it's gonna be an adjustment for all of us but for how fast the pitcher works, a lot of the pitchers are liking it. Even Aaron Judge is better. He said he likes it. It's fast-paced. But for them being fast-paced, is it going to cause injuries? Is it going to cause the workload to work faster? Could it cause a risk of injuries? That's what I'm worried about. So two things is I also know Wandy Peralta loves it because he struck out a guy in 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Um, he's my closer. Uh but I was actually talking about this with someone at work and he- hear me out on this real quick. I actually think that the pitch clock might reduce injuries. Yes. It'll make them work a little quicker between pitches. Mm-hmm. But I think with that is you're not going to see these guys over exerting themselves, given 110% on every pitch because it's literally, Oh wow. I need to compose myself in 15 seconds. So maybe all my pitches are, maybe you see a drop in velocity, mm-hmm. like for a guy who's, can typically get to 98 99 maybe you're seeing their new norm at like 96 97 because they have to take a little bit off of it because you only get that 15 second breather you know with that because you're not putting as much effort into each pitch maybe there is a reduction in that forearm tightness which is usually a the lead symptom that eventually could go towards tommy john maybe you see a reduction in that that's my theory. That's how I'm kind of looking at it is maybe that there will be a reduction in injury. I don't know. What do you guys think? The velocity is, is going to go down. I, I think I totally agree with that. Um, as I've said before, after seeing these rules, and I think what we're going to see now is there's going to be an offensive breakthrough in this league this year. Offense is going to go way up and the importance of pitching as a whole is going to go down because there's not going to be as many guys throwing you know below a four for an era so um i i do i i don't agree with your injury thing because i feel like when guys make quicker less rational actions that they can tend to tweak something right and if your body's being more active if you're doing things fast you don't have that time to rest your muscle and i'm i'm believe me i i'm not the guy to be asking muscle questions too 
but uh, I, 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 I feel that that will be more straining on the arm because think about it like when you lift weights, you're supposed to rest in between sets, right? Whether that's two minutes, whatever. Well, now these pitches have 30 seconds. So for some guys that might work, that might be fine. That might be what they do naturally. But if your time in between pitches has always been a minute or a minute 30, you know, it's going to affect your body because you're not used to it, number one. And number two, your muscles just need that rest. So I think you will actually see more injuries. Uh, I, well, I, I do understand that. Take. I think velocity will go down. And I think pitchers are as a whole going to be less cerebral. And we don't talk about that. We haven't really talked about that as a consequence. But, you know, just like I kind of think of Jonathan Papelbon, right? Staring down, looking at the catcher. Right or Kimbrel, yeah, staring down, looking, nodding his head, looking very angry, and that's not going to happen anymore because these pitchers are going to have to make quick, quick split-second decisions to not get called uh, foul, basically by the umpire. So you're going to see pitchers not have the time to choose their pitch, make quick decisions, and oftentimes they might make the wrong decision. And that's, I think, I think what's also kind of interesting here is you bring up a good point is you're not going to see pitchers staring them, staring down the catcher, shaking off pitches all the time. It's going to have to increase number one, the game plan going in like, Hey, Joey, we know Casm's coming up this next inning. How do we want to attack? Like maybe that there's a more conversation of pitcher and catcher in the dugout. It's also, Hey, you're gonna it kind of puts a premium on catchers and maybe even personal catchers that I know we're not necessarily fans of, but it's like, hey, you might see that one pitcher that had their personal catcher. Maybe that personal catcher is getting more two days now because he's got to cover two pitchers because hey, it's you don't have as much time to just go through the signs the whole time. All right. Cassim, I don't I know that you kind of have a, a weird mixed feeling on personal catchers and hey, like if you're the catcher, you should be just catching every day pretty much unless something's like really just crap and you need an off day. But it's like, do you think that there's going to be an increase in chemistry or there's going to be more or less change in battery mates? Uh, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't think it makes a difference. I mean, we could look at it from our personal standpoint of our team. Jericho's personal catcher was Kyle Hiyashioka. Now it's Jose Trevino. Uh, for me, it don't matter because to me, with this pitch clock, there shouldn't be a personal catcher because really, to be honest, it doesn't make a difference. You're going to have to speed up. Yeah, you know I mean, you're going to have to hurry. So whoever's behind the plate, whether it could be Gary Sanchez, it don't matter. I'm just saying the truth that there just shouldn't be no personal catchers for some pitcher because with this pitch clock, it's going to speed up everything. So uh, I, I think because it's getting sped up is that the pitcher and catcher need to be on the same page, though. Right. I mean, Trevino and Cole or Trevino and uh, Rodon, they're going to all have to get on the same page. So really, to me, I, I don't think a personal – the old rules, yes, you might need a personal catcher. But with now, with this year, just according to this year, I don't think personal catchers matter in my opinion. Well, we'll just have to wait and see and see how it plays yeah. out for the rest of the season. So, But uh, Joey, you know – you know, kind of just wrapping up the show here is you just said that there's going to be an offensive uptick, you know, like we're all predicting. We've kind of said it on this show before. I just want to get your quick opinion on, obviously, I think for the Yankee side, we kind of know who is going to be the man. It's going to be Aaron Judge. I know on the Red Sox side, 
the man is going to be Raphael Devers. But what I want to know is who's going to be the Robin to those guys, Batman? Like, who's going to be the next guy in that lineup that you're like, hey, like, you know what? Judge or Devers, they're 0 for 3 today. Like, who are we going to have to count on today to get this game done? So, uh, Joey, I'll start on the Red Sox side, and then Kasim, we'll toss it over to you for who you think is going to be the one-two punch in the lineup for, you know, after Judge, after Devers, who's going to be the next offensive producer for these teams? You know, this is actually a good question for me because I don't know. One of the best things Luke has ever done is, and I'm giving him credit right here, right now, Luke Tobin, giving you credit. One of the best things he, he's ever done is dubbed me the the Bruce Wade of Bleacher Brawls. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I remember it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Cassie, were you even around for that? No, I don't think so. So he may be the Bruce Wade of Bleacher Brawls. And when Bruce Wade picks his Robin, uh, I, I think I think Yoshida, unfortunately, considering he's never played a Major League Baseball game ever, is has to be Devers's Robin. He's the only guy I think that's good enough that's capable of doing it. Um, I think it's a good combination, Devers being more of a power guy and Yoshida being more of a contact guy. They complement each other. So, yeah, I would say Yoshida. Uh, if it's a pitcher, it's Chris Sale. But I don't think that really counts. So I would say Yoshida. Yeah, we're talking offensive production here. So you're going Yoshida. And when I asked this question to the Red Sox guys on Monday for the Monday episode was um, Derek actually said Alex Verdugo and Luke said Adam Duvall. So Luke said Adam Duvall. <laughs> at, Luke said Adam Duvall. This is the second time this episode that you said Luke said what? <laughs> so very Luke take. Very Luke take. Luke warm. Luke Luke warm. That that's his new name at Luke warm on Twitter. Anyway, Cassim <laughs> switching over to the Yankee side is but after Aaron Judge. I'm, what's funny is I think where the Red Sox it's like a myriad of like oh I, it could be this guy it could be this guy and. We'll just have to wait and see. Joey's mm-hmm. Joey just said a guy who's never played in the Major. United United States of Major League Baseball. Yeah. Like he's obviously played at this level in, you know, um, elsewhere. But Joey makes sense. He does make sense that I've had to pick somebody from that Red Sox. It would be Yoshida. So it makes sense. Yoshida and Devers. Yeah, and what's funny is I actually said Justin Turner for the Red Sox. Oh Lord! I think Justin Turner quietly can produce you know, 80, 90 RBIs for that team. It might not be a sexy 80, 90 RBIs with home runs and doubles, but if you're getting RBIs, RBIs win you games. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from the Yankee side, there's like four guys who I'm like, yeah, you know what? Any one of these four guys could be the second best offensive producer behind Aaron Judge. But Kasim, I just want to know where your head's at right now. That's good you said four guys, but... To be honest with you, Barnes, it's an easy question. And that guy's John Carlos Stanton. And you heard me talk about him before, him, you and Joey. He's he's the Robin to uh, Aaron Judge. He's the guy. And to be honest, we know Judge carried him last year. But there was a year where Stanton carried him and he was on fire. So if these two can meet in between and carry each other and carry the team, they can go far. That's why I believe... Stanton should play the outfield because we could see that resurgence again. But Stanton, Stanton is the guy. Stanton's my guy. That's my guy. Yeah. Listen, I hear you. Uh, I know John is also a huge Stanton supporter. You know, 
and we we talk about this all the time is you're gonna root for, you're gonna root for whoever's wearing the pinstripes. You you really are. It doesn't matter. Like you're gonna root for success. But I think where my head is at for this year, and I I just have this gut feeling, and I know you love this guy a lot. You've been pounding the drum f- for him a ton, but I'm gonna go Glaber Torres. Yeah, and I'm him. I you know once again I don't think it'll be as sexy as Stan, where I think Stan could hit close to 40 home runs, you know, over 40. And I don't think Glaber will go that high. I think he'll hit upper 20s, like 28, low 30s, 33, you know, somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. But I think he's going to get a lot of, like, RBIs off of doubles. You know, he's, when he's locked in, he's just so good. So, and it, like I said, I think that there's four guys that it'll be interesting, you know, and I Throughout the year last year, there was always a guy like for a week and a half, they were the man. Like Jose Trevino had that like week and a half where it always seemed like he was coming up with something. And then for like oh for like a week, it was IKF, and then it was Rizzo, and then it was Torres, and then it was Stanton, and then it was, you know, Vader. And the names and the names go on. Cabrera, like yeah. Ben and you know, not Ben and he was actually crap. Um yeah. But the, the list of names goes on. It's like, oh man, like these guys were all relevant at different times. And then when it wasn't, you know, Judge carried him for a long time, but someone's going to need to step up because I don't think Aaron Judge can do what he did in 22 in 23. It's going to be it's a tough act to follow. They they did well. It just they ran out of gas in the AL championship. That's it. Everybody ran out of gas. So. But yeah, you you heard it here that that those are who we think are going to be the Robins to those Batmans. Um, so wrapping up the show, any final thoughts for the listeners today? Final thought thoughts for the listeners: Don't tuck in your pants unless you're wearing a belt. Yes, I'm gonna I, Joey. If if it's okay with you, I'm gonna post that, and I'm gonna be like, do you tuck in the shirt or do you not tuck in the shirt? <laughs> Joey sent us this picture of him looking. No, don't very... post that. No, don't, don't, don't post that. <laughs> don't post it. Okay, okay. I'll find an an equivalent example of someone tucking in their shirt, like a dress shirt, but they didn't have a belt on. I was like, I would never do that. They didn't have a belt. They didn't. And... They didn't have belt loops. The pants didn't have belt loops. Yeah, but I still think you got to go untucked if you're not wearing a belt. Maybe you're more of an untucked guy, but. You know, I I dress to kill, man. I I I got to be tucked. Hey, I'm the same way. I'm the same way, Joey. I, I tuck in my with a belt. I always tuck in my dress shirt and everything. By the way, I got the same one. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I'm wearing when I'm wearing a belt, I tuck it in. If I'm not yeah. wearing a belt, I untuck it. I I want I want the viewers to know that Barnes is wearing the same sweatshirt he's worn about for the last five days right now. <laughs> yeah, it's very comfortable. Um. And I, this is my at-home sweatshirt. Like, oh, I walk in from work, I take off my work clothes, I put on this sweatshirt. It's comfortable. Yeah. What, what, what's your favorite? I'd like to. What's your favorite shirt, Barnes? Like, what? what tell me about your favorite shirt. My fa- All right, my favorite T-shirt that I own is it's a black T-shirt, and then there's a rectangle in the center that has a graphic of Bruce Lee on like a DJ oh, yeah, uh, mix yeah. board with like the giant headphones on. I'll wear it next time. I'll post a picture. You know what? I'll post a picture of me wearing it tomorrow. That's my favorite T-shirt because I just the Bruce Lee of Bleacher Brawls. I love Bruce Lee, man. The man, that was my favorite. He kicked Chuck Norris's butt. So, oh yeah, he kicked Chuck Norris. Right, broke his freaking neck. He ripped out his chest hair. 
Yeah, it's about dang time. Every time, Chuck is, every time Chuck Norris is in a movie, he can barely get hit. Joey, I'm going to have to rip out your chest hair, all right? Cassim, <laughs> uh, uh, any final thoughts for the listeners today? Thanks for tuning in. We're only a couple of weeks away, guys. And, uh, uh, you know, my baby, he got three Yankee outfits. They bought him this week. I have a Buffalo Bills blanket. Oh, hell yeah. So we're here. Hell oh, yeah. I, I love that. Uh, and by the time you're listening to this, the World Baseball Classic will have started. We're all looking forward to that. You know, obviously, if you're really like super into the Baseball Classic, uh, make sure you give Derek a follow. He's huge into that. Um, and he's Ooh, also put out some good funny. videos on YouTube. Uh, so Bleacher Brawls on YouTube. We've got some good World Baseball Classic videos that came out. Um, my final thoughts is, like Joey said, Tuck in your shirt if you're wearing a belt. Untuck it if you're not wearing a belt. Well, you know what? That's just that's going to be the topic of debate for the next week now. That's just going to be the the new debate. It's not going to be Red Sox Yankees. It's going to be tuck untuck. And Joe Estanio, we miss you, buddy. Just tell Rafael Ortega don't make the team. Take him back with you to WWE. Ah oh, man, Ortega's been kind of good. Uh, that's why I don't any... have to tuck outfielders. <laughs> oh man. Hey, next week it's on the it's on the docket for next week. We're all, we're almost there. We got to talk about it because it's getting close. You know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, but anyway, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you tell a friend, share it with a buddy. Um, you can follow us anywhere, and you're about to hear that right after this. <laughs> is you can hear the places that you can find us. So, for everyone, peace out. All right, folks, that's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars, and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter. It's good being home because my mother does my laundry.